0: Well, good Monday morning, June the 20th. We are so glad you're with us. We're taking a look at the books in the Apocrypha, and today the story is the Book of Judith. It's a religious novel, and that's the only way one can really read it. If you are a regular listener and you listened last week to our discussion of the Book of Tobit, it's best to look at that as a religious novel as well. It doesn't really fit in in style with the rest of the Old Testament, and that's why it's never really been considered a part of the Old Testament by the Jews. They they consider it a religious important book, but nothing to establish doctrine with. It's a book of encouragement. There are other people that will say, well, it's, it's great as a story, but it can't be scripture because there are historical mistakes in it, and there are. Uh, There are anachronisms. Anachronism is something which is outside the time of the story. For example, in the Scottish play, Shakespeare's play Macbeth, you have um, people hearing cannon fire centuries before gunpowder would come to Scotland. So either the soldier who heard the cannon fire was really Nostradamus with Prince Charles size ears, or you have an anachronism. It's a historical error. And those historical errors are all through the book of Judith. And again, Jews didn't accept it, but Christians loved this book. And they quoted this book a lot. We have quotations from this book by Christian writers in letters and in sermons all the way through the first century. Uh, Clement, um, the, the great church father Clement, believed it was equal to the story of Esther. But you're You're going to have to search long and hard to find a lot of people who would line up with Clement on that. Jerome tried to leave it out of the Vulgate version of the Bible, and the Pope told him to put it back. So he did. Roman uh, Catholic and Orthodox Catholic churches still include the book of Judith to this day. Jews do consider it a useful book. uh, And one of the reasons they, they still like having it, although they don't call it scripture, is that it tells a story that leads up to Hanukkah, the festival of lights that always hovers somewhere around the Christmas season. It varies because the Jews use a different calendar than does the Western world. In brief, the story is about Judith, a righteous widow, instead of just going out after another husband, which she could do because she was wealthy and she was beautiful. She decided to do something about the lack of faithfulness, of faithfulness among her own people. She decided that they were in captivity because they had not followed the law of Moses. True enough, um, a woman of action, she decides she needs to spur the people into action. So she goes to the military camp of the Jews' worst enemy, a guy named Holofernes. And I've heard that pronounced like five different ways, H-O-L-O-F-E-R-N-E-S. He's a vain man who's considered the greatest general that Nebuchadnezzar has, okay? Well, she woos him and she tells him she has information that would help him destroy or subdue the Israelites. So like, like a Mata Hari, but for the good side. He invites her to his tent When she arrives, he's drunk already, and he soon falls into a deep sleep. In a scene that reminds you of Jael and Sisera, except even more extreme, she cuts his head off when he's asleep and sneaks his head out in her purse, her bag. Then she comes back to her people and she holds up the head and she reveals to them that their enemy is dead. And you can find all kinds of paintings of this woman holding up the head of Holofernes in medieval art. Just look it up. You you can Google images and they really like that subject of this woman cutting off the bad guy's head and holding it up to people. The Assyrians fall back in confusion because their general is dead and the Jews have rallied now and are standing up to them the nation is saved a postscript is that judith still never marries although many many people um, tried to marry her they tried to court her once again it's a book that elevates not being married higher than the rest of scripture does the rest of scripture looks upon marriage as a very very honorable thing and a thing to be sought unless you're in times of persecution, as Paul brought up, Uh, or in in case of times where you're in and out of prison and always traveling, such as Paul. Otherwise, we're taught that marriage is a gift from God. In these books, however, there is already this feeling that there is something icky about sex, and therefore, even among married people, uh, it is better to remain chaste. Certainly not what you find in the rest of Scripture. It was, again, this book was immensely popular for over a thousand years and the early church uh, would even uh, edit it to say, you know, Holofernes was really Antiochus Epiphanes or one of these other Greek generals that they were facing at the time, Uh, you know, the Jews would use it that way, Christians would use it that way, Uh, it is a battle between the vices the general had many vices pride lust drunkenness tyranny and then this pure beautiful brave woman who decided not to sit at home and mourn the situation of her people but to go out and change it so the um how popular was this the very codex which is a bound book the very codex that brings us our first look at the story, Beowulf, also includes this book. That's how well known and how widespread it was. Commentaries were written about the book. It, there are so many different groups of uh, orders of priests, monks, nuns, and acolytes that have used Judith as their, their rallying founder. So again, super, super popular. Um, beautiful, beautiful cathedral, uh, Saint-Chapelle. It was built in 1240 and it was dedicated to Judith. It has 40 gl- stained glass panes. 40 telling her entire story, including the beheading <laughs> scene. Yeah, that's, that's what you wanna see in a stained glass window. Uh, Goya, Michelangelo, I, they all painted or sculpt Judith. It's fun to read, but it, it just doesn't ring of scripture. And again, there are historical mistakes. So uh, get another, get a version, read it online, enjoy Judith, but it's not it's not the one that I would uh, hold on to and give my life for. And remember those early uh, Counsels. that's what they were doing they were saying these are the books that you hold on to even at the pain of death these other books are very very useful we treasure them we love them but we we don't hold on to those to our death uh, we've talked about the um the book of esther before uh, it is in our bibles it is considered historical by some but it's also considered non-historical you see here's the thing The Persians wrote down everything. If you remember, the king Xerxes would even have them read from the the Chronicles and uh, the history, all of the ins and outs, because everything was written down. They were known for that, the Persians and the Medes. However, when we go and take a look at the very meticulous records of who was queen, we never see Esther. Vashti, we see her. We don't see her removed, and we see her children still in the royal family. So that's a problem. Uh, That's a problem, and so there are those that say Esther is a religious novel and not history. Uh, But then again, it accurately depicts some historical things, such as the rising up of the Jews at a certain time, and the way they were then scattered, uh, the way they then um, owned property. So there are some things historically accurate in it, and it might be all historically accurate. Just be aware, there are some things when we dig up, the archeology span does not back up. And we need to be honest about that. There's no reason not to be. The book we have, by the way, called Esther, there's another issue. It's not the book Paul had. You see, it was in the Septuagint, but the book in the Septuagint had a lot more information than our book of Esther. Jerome noticed this when he compared it to the Hebrew versions of the book he possessed, and he assumed the Hebrew was the oldest and most accurate. It's a good assumption, probably. So he moved the extra material out of the main body of the book and stuck it on the end, which, therefore, in a Catholic Bible, you will see a longer book of Esther. Uh, It starts at chapter 10, verse four, goes through chapter 16, verse 24. That's the extra material. Please remember though, that when Jerome stuck it there, there weren't chapters and verses. So he just removed some of the narrative and placed it in a different part of it. There were also enough differences between the text that he wondered how to use this. and which words to use <clears throat> he is uh, for example Haman one of the words in some of the versions says he's a bully but others have a slight change to the word which means he's an agagite which just means he's from a land called Agag so you have to make a choice translators make choices Luther wanted the whole book tossed he just did not like the book of Esther he said In fact, he argued against it so vehemently that some believe it was really because of his anti-Semitism. If you don't know this, you need to know this. (coughs) Catholics know this. Uh, Martin Luther was a rabid anti-Semite. He was also just horribly um, xenophobic toward gypsies or as uh, they prefer to be called, the Rome, the Roma people. He was all for shooting them down, man, woman, and child. And in Germany of his time, you could go shoot them down. Uh, you, there, were, there were hunting seasons for them. And there are, there are people that wrote, these, these guys, these barons that go out hunting, about how they bagged a woman and her child. Martin Luther was also oh, just, the words he used to insult Jews, I cannot use. I cannot even illustrate. I can't even say this is what Martin Luther said or I'd be pulled off YouTube. It's, it's just vile. So it is thought that he, um, he just rejected the book because it elevated the Jews and made them heroes and he wasn't ready for that. In fact, he used the word Jew as a synonym for the word thief, liar, vagabond. It's just awful. Um, the Roman Catholic Church has clung to the longer version of Esther, but they're almost unanimous in saying probably wasn't written by the same author as the book of Esther. Um, so, there we are. We're going to read Judith, read Esther, and if you have access to the Apocrypha, which you do online, read the extra material that starts in Esther chapter 10, verse 4. And just have a a look, see if you enjoy the extra material, if it does anything for you, and read the book of Judah, Judith rather, and then go look at Google Images for a while and see all of those really interesting ways to illustrate a sermon story with pictures of a woman holding up a head. All right. I know it's only 13 minutes, 14 minutes, but we try to keep things short and our next book would make it a little bit too long. So next week, we're gonna start with the Book of Wisdom and that's really its name, but uh, to be honest, it has a lot of names, but we'll talk about that next time. Please subscribe, please share this with others. Uh, We do need to get our contributions up at our safe harbor so that we can continue doing this work. Um, We were aware that uh, all works After a while, the contributions begin to ease a bit and we're in that season, especially with all the inflation and the trouble in the world. So if you can help us, thank you. It means the world. Regardless, we're going to be here for you as long as we can be. See you next Monday.